Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Uh, our good friend, Dr. Isaac Bogosh, Infectious Diseases Specialist, University of Toronto Medical School, Toronto General Hospital, uh, joins us now on the issue of, again, uh, I forget which virus we're talking about some of the time. I was just talking H1N1. Now we're talking about the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. How could I possibly forget that? Uh, <laughs> Dr. Bogosh, thanks very much for taking the time. And my first question has to do, of course, with where we stand with uh, with vaccines. We have the president of the Russian Scientific Academy or the Science Academy saying that uh, mass vaccination may be possible in a matter of months beginning in 2021. What do you say to that? Oh, I mean, this would be fascinating and amazing if it, if it could happen. Now, the interesting thing with, uh, with the Russians is that they are talking about administering a vaccine that they say is homegrown and they, they locally made it. Um, we're not entirely sure. They haven't published any of their data. The data is not widely available, but they're talking about a vaccine that was even being be given to some people in as, as early as April. And, uh, and they want to start mass vaccinating uh, their population. I mean, obviously, if it works and if it's safe, I, I'm all for it. But, uh, of course, we uh, want to see that it is safe and that it is effective before they start doing it. So uh, interesting, interesting times ahead. Let's, let's put it that way. And then on the more conventional side of things, uh, we know that there are uh, at least five phase three trials going on right now looking at the coronavirus vaccine. Uh, and uh, we'll have the results of one of them probably as early as late August or early September to see does it actually work or not. So what is a phase three trial? Oh, yeah, sorry. A phase three clinical trial is sort of like the last step in our understanding of a vaccine, in an, at least in an experimental way, before it's implemented in a real-world setting. So in a phase three clinical trial is done in humans, and they really enroll thousands and thousands and thousands of people and of course they're answering the question does it actually work and to what extent does it work and they're also looking at safety as well so it really it really answers a lot of uh, a lot of key questions and uh and we know that those results from the oxford phase three clinical trial will be out late october or sorry late august early september but then there's uh, other clinical trials there's another one that was started in the united states they're going to rapidly enroll about thirty thousand people for this moderna vaccine so it really the pace of uh progress is just it's phenomenal like but and it, it, i guess to some it comes sometimes it comes as a surprise but other times it doesn't when you realize there truly are infinite resources being poured into this yeah is it possible that uh people listening to this program now across this country may be eligible for vaccination within 12 months yes i i certainly think that is a very possible scenario and and, and again, like I'm not a betting guy, but I, I imagine it would be actually sooner than 12 months. I think that uh, we're going to start to see these results roll in pretty quickly. We're going to see governments, including the Canadian government, uh, look at these results. We're going to probably see some very positive results in some studies. I think we're going to see a lot of negative results, too, and watch some vaccines just get crossed off the list. But for the positive ones, I think they're going to just start mass producing them like crazy and uh, and and people are going to be shelling out. Governments are going to be shelling out to get access to them. And in Canada, we have uh, we have um, a vaccine task force that's really looking into you know questions like how do we implement this vaccine? How do we roll this out across the country? How do we get the higher risk people first? Uh, you know, how do we administer? Like you know, they've already bought 37 million vials 
to basically administer a vaccine that doesn't even exist yet. So you can see how they're really getting everything in order to ensure that this rolls out as quickly and as smoothly as possible. And we're talking about more than just one vaccine, right? We're talking about ultimately there'll be multiples of vaccines available? Yeah, that's that's certainly going to be the case. And um, and that's, that's the case for lots of other things. So, for example, influenza. I mean, every year uh, we have this predictable influenza season. And there's several different uh, vaccine products that we use in Canada that are licensed and safe. And you know, year by year, they have different degrees of effectiveness. But uh, but, um, you know, certainly I think that's going to be the same thing with uh, COVID-19. And, and there's about now, I think at last count, it's somewhere around 190 different vaccines under development almost uh, two dozen in human clinical trials at this point. And quite frankly, most of these aren't going to work out. Uh, but if we have five or six of them, I think that just gives us a, a great opportunity to mass produce them, to look at the safety, to look at the differences between them. You know, we might see some that are better in younger people, some that might be better in older people, some that might be one dose, some that might be two doses. And uh, obviously, you know, we want to roll these out safely and, and effectively, but we want to use good vaccines. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes through the pipeline. But uh, I'm it just I, I'm pretty optimistic that within a year we'll we'll certainly be seeing vaccine programs roll out. Maybe even slightly sooner. That's really encouraging to hear. Now, when I spoke with uh, Professor Bogart in the last segment, she quite surprised me because I didn't know, and I've done quite a bit of reading on that pandemic of 1918 uh, petered out in 1920. But she she pointed out that they had in fact created a vaccine. Um, back then in 1918 or 1919, I can't imagine what they would have been doing as far as determining what would be successful and what would be appropriate and what would be ethical to use. Do you look back at these times when you study infectious diseases? Is there a, a historic uh, chain that you follow? I mean, I look back just with total curiosity and fascination. Um, it doesn't, you know, when we're looking back that far, it doesn't necessarily guide um, our clinical uh, our clinical care, but certainly there's, you know, tried and tested public health uh, innovations that work then that still work now. Things like putting on a mask when you go indoors, things like physical distancing, hand hygiene. I mean, these are lessons that were learned years and years ago that are still true today. Um, quarantine. I mean, right, the, the ships had to stay out at sea for a period of 14 days before they were allowed to dock in case there was any disease on board the ship. Like, this is hundreds of years old, still works today. So, you know, they, uh, I, I, but mostly in, in, I, I don't really study that uh, area. I just I mostly read it because I'm curious and I think I find it fascinating. Um, it is. It is fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there are lessons that we can learn. And there are, you know, it's amazing to watch some of the, the same mistakes being made over and over and over again. We also learned, as she pointed out, as uh, Professor Bogart pointed out, there was a greater sense of society. People pulled together. People had a sense that they had to get things done together, and so they did. I love that. I absolutely love that. And quite frankly, I think there are, like if we look from a global standpoint, I think we can see different countries responding in different ways, and you can see people, you can see that sense of society in, in certain nations uh, more so than others. And I wouldn't call it a yes-no variable. I'd call it a to-what-extent variable and, you know, I, I think in general, I really think Canada would fall into the category of everyone rolling up their sleeves and doing what needs to be done to get through this. Yes, there's been detractors. Yes, there's been, you know, vocal opposition. Of course, uh, we're, we're, it's great to have a diversity of opinion. But in general, uh, regardless of what people think and how people think, 
everyone's more or less done the right thing. Like we locked down when we were supposed to lock down. We put on masks when we were told to put on masks. We wash our hands. We stand two meters apart in the grocery store. Like we're really, we're really doing a good job in Canada. And I think it's, it's okay to take a breath of fresh air and pat ourselves on the back here and there periodically. Of course, there's still a lot of work left to be done. We're by no means through this yet, but uh, I think we, I, I think Canada falls into that category of having, having pulled through together as a country. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you for a quick response, quick thought on this federal government contact app that is, uh, is available now. Your thoughts. I think it's great. I know uh, uh, they worked really hard on getting this up and running. I think it's fantastic. I love how they're really focused on Canadians' concern about privacy and security. Doesn't know who your contacts are, doesn't know who, what your GPS location is, doesn't tap into your phone, just uses Bluetooth. All information is scrapped after 14 days. Looks And, and it just tells you if you've been in close contact with someone with COVID-19. Perfect. For people that are skeptic and say, I'm not downloading this, they're going to be following me or getting my personal information. Number one, it doesn't. Number two, look at your phone and look at everything else that's on there. Look at your Instagram, your email, your Facebook, your whatever that's already on your phone that is already taking your personal information and selling it. Okay, this is not. So uh, I think for people that have security concerns, this is like the lowest of low risk and it is high yield. I would download it. I've downloaded it this weekend and I'm really happy I did. All right. You can find a link to the app and the story on it at globalnews.ca, globalnews.ca. Now, when it comes to the vaccine, let me come back to this. Will there be prioritizing of uh, who gets it, who, who's going to be eligible to receive the vaccine first? Most certainly. There most certainly will be, because I doubt when it becomes available in Canada, they're going to have 37 million doses. So likely it's going to be prioritized to the following people. And again, I don't have any inside knowledge, but this is exactly what happened with H1N1. It's going to go to people who are at most at risk of having severe outcomes. So I suspect it'll go through long-term care facilities, to homeless shelters, to people over the age of 60, to frontline health care providers, something like that, before it's uh, implemented widely across the country. And on the issue of masks, it still is an issue of controversy. And I saw two people getting, during my vacation, I saw two people getting into a major verbal exchange. Yeah, they were asked to take it outside in a, in a store that I was in in, in Quebec uh, over wearing or not wearing a mask. Would you please make the case for wearing masks and then also address for us in the short time we have left the argument that's been put forward, and I talk about this as well, in February and March, we were told, don't wear masks, they really don't help. Okay, let's start with that, because that's extremely important. Remember, the questions were different in January and February than they were in, like, March, April, May. So in January and February, the question was, should we wear a mask in Canada to protect ourselves from getting COVID-19? And the answer then was, no, you don't need to wear a mask. We have zero to five cases in the country like don't worry about it you don't need to wear a mask then of course we had a, a large number of cases in the country and the question wasn't should i wear a mask to protect myself the question turned to should we all wear a mask to protect other people and the answer is yeah you can all put on a mask when you're going into an indoor setting to help prevent the spread of covid 19. it's as simple as that so this can sort of work our way into the second part of, the, of your question where you know it's just, it's like on the big dealometer, this is not a big deal. If you're going into a store or you're going into an indoor setting, just put on a mask. It's as simple as that. Um, I appreciate that there's some areas that are higher risk than others uh, in terms of the community spread. 
but you know, in Quebec, the, the law is the law. They say uh, it's mandated masking. So, like, seriously, what's the big deal? You just stick a mask on, walk inside, go about your business. When you're done, go outside, take it off. It's as simple as that. And the final question, we have 30 seconds. Can doctors, medical researchers, and economists reach similar conclusions on reopening societies and economies? Well, I think what you're watching is debate unfold in real time. And that's the scientific process. I mean, that's what actually happens in real life. And now it's just under a microscope because it's impacting everybody's day-to-day life. So I think we, we all can get, there's always going to be diversity of opinion and diversity of thought. That's fantastic. We don't all, we don't all want to say the same thing. This is the scientific process at work, and and uh, and certainly this debate is important to have. Um, I think it's important to have reasonable and rational debate, looking at facts and and, and taking sort of instincts and gut opinions out of it. Uh, but uh, I think we can, and I think we are doing this now. I mean, obviously, if we look at Canada right now, we're in pretty good shape, right? right. We have anywhere from 300 to 400 new cases per day in a population of close to 38 million people. We're doing well, and it's okay to carefully and slowly reopen with the caveat that we might have to close back down in certain regions if there's an unacceptable number of people. Okay. But so far, so good. Dr. Bogosh, thank you. We are in your debt. Oh, that's fine. Thanks <laughs> so much for your time. You Thanks a lot. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.